Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans. I'm going to start in Romans chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in Romans 1 chapter 24. Romans chapter 1 verse 24. Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. I I um, started teaching a lesson a couple weeks ago and I'm going to continue that, that lesson. I didn't get finished with everything I wanted to say and so I I told myself the next time I have an opportunity to teach, I'm going to be teaching the rest of that thought that I had there. And uh, the title of this lesson tonight is Obsessed with Abstract. I may remember a couple services ago I taught Obsessed with Abstract. I want to read for you Romans 1 and beginning in verse 24. When you have it, just say, I got it. Amen. The Bible says, Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever Amen. Amen. Could we pray together for just a moment? Lord, we thank you for this time together tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. We ask you tonight that your word would touch us. We ask you tonight that your word would grow us, that your word would mature us. God, I pray tonight that we would be more than hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word also. And we'll be so careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in his presence. So I'm going to go back a little bit, and I want to connect again with the concept of abstract. I taught this lesson a couple weeks ago on obsess with abstract. I talked about how um, we as a society have been inundated with abstract art. That, you know, many, many, many years ago, abstract art became famous, and, and now there is a huge uh, niche market that is all about abstract. The, the more abstract, the better. There are famous, famous abstract artists from centuries ago who at the time, if you do research, at the time, their art was considered, you know, just ridiculous. But now, today, these artists, their paintings are going for millions of dollars. There's millions and millions of dollars being bought for these paintings of artists who are dead and gone, some are still alive, but many of them are dead and gone, but they, they had an idea of abstract art and they left the interpretation of the art up to the individual. This was the concept of my lesson a couple weeks ago with Obsessed with Abstract, is that when you're looking at a piece of abstract art or you're looking at something that's abstract with no defined lines, no, no defined um, station, 
when we look at that, we have the ability as individuals to say, well, this is what I see. I, I see this painting, I see the abstract, and I see that, I see that, I see a meadow, I see a field, I see, I see an ocean, I see a mountain. Or I, I think the artist was trying to portray uh, the lack of love in relationships. And I, I look at this and, and, and I feel like the artist was trying to, uh, you know, display um, a heartfelt emotion. And whatever the individual decides that that piece of art is, that is their truth. That's what that piece of art says to them. And so they take that and that becomes their truth. This is what this piece of art uh, reminds me of. This is what this piece of art fills me with this emotion. This, this piece of art reminds me of this or whatever it may be. However, while the art of abstract definitely is uh, a beautiful market and I've seen beautiful abstract paintings, we have developed a concept that the word of God is somehow abstract as well. That we could take the word of God and it is really up to the reader uh, what they see. It is up to us to look at it and say, well, I feel like God was saying this or I feel like what he meant was this. And, and, and I'm reading what you're reading, but I just, you know, I, I see what he's saying, but I don't really feel like God meant it that way. And when we start doing that, when we start picking away at the word of God, uh, we are living in a society that has picked away at the word of God for so long that nobody really understands what the truth of the word of God is anymore. There are literal churches. I, I talked about this in my last lesson. There are literal churches that are now walking away from the truth of God's word and declaring. I'm talking about large churches, not not, not Catholics and, 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 and not, not, not Methodists and, and Lutherans, but large non-denominal churches that are now openly discussing that the, that the Bible, that the Bible that we have is not fully the word of God, that, that this was written by men who were flawed in some way. And so we can't take it as literal words from God. But the Bible tells us to be weary of men who do this. The Bible is very clear when it gives us instruction to be careful of people who would take the word of God and change it in some way, whether they would add or take away. And I know some people, I know a lot of people who take away from the word of God, who, who don't read things that are in the word of God, who will avoid scriptures or avoid topics in the word of God. But I also know folks that will add things into the word of God and take the word of God and, and make it more than what it was. They'll, they'll take something that God said and they'll add on to that. Well, I think God meant this and I think God meant that and I just feel like this is what it ought to be. And it's easy for us to take a cultural view of the word and say, well, let's fit this word into our culture and see where it lands. And that is a very dangerous place to be. Can I get an amen right there? It's a very dangerous place, not only for a society. And this is one of the reasons that I felt like teaching this. And one of the reasons that I even went down this road in the first place is, is when it's in the world, we understand it. When the world is, is, is playing with the word of God, they've always have. There are over 25,000 archaeological digs on this planet today where people went with intention to prove the Bible wrong because the Bible said this was there and they went and they dug it up 
and trying to prove the Bible wrong, and it was 25,000 recorded, and they dug it up, and guess what? It was there, and the Bible was right. 25,000 times that has happened. Recorded 25,000 times that has happened. It is the most scrutinized book in all of humanity, and when the world begins to do that, it's common. We, we understand that the world doesn't want to line up to the Word of God because it is anti-flesh. It is anti-man. It's anti-culture. It goes against everything that we feel. Amen. It goes against our emotional development. It goes against, it goes against everything that we believe. And it definitely is counter-cultural in our world today. But it has always been counter-cultural. And when the world begins to do that, it's expected. We say, hey, this is the world. They don't want to line up to the word of God. But when it starts bleeding into the church... And men of God, supposed men of God, stand and say, well, we don't really believe this anymore because, uh, you know, it doesn't fit with our culture. And, and when you have uh, famous preachers and famous teachers who, when they get in front of a news camera, can't say something's true. Say, well, do you believe that Jesus is the only way? They say, well, you know, I, you know, I, you know when people believe and people are good. I'm talking about famous Men of God who can't say, yes, Jesus is the only way. We have people obsessed with the abstract. That's what they want. They want people to say, hey, listen, you take it and you make it what you want to. You look at this word and you say, you know what? I see a loving God who would never send anybody to hell. That's by a man named Rob Bell, if you ever want to look him up, his name is Rob Bell, a very influential person in the denominal world. Years ago, wrote a book. The book's name is Love Wins. If, if you've never read the Bible, don't read Love Wins. It's not a good book. Now, if, you, if you've read the Bible and you know the Word of God, you can read it because you'll pick it apart. But, but he wrote a book called Love's Wind because Rob Bell, who was a preacher and a teacher and a pastor of a large church, decided, you know what? I just don't think that God would ever send anybody to hell. And he wrote a book that God loved the world so much that, that, that hell doesn't even exist. It's just something the church made up to scare people. And, and so he, he reads his truth and he says, man, I, I see a field. I see a meadow. I, I know y'all see something else, but I just see a loving God who would never do this. And, and that's my truth and I believe it and I'm going to start a whole movement because of it. And people have lost their way because of such influential garbage. And when you see it start bleeding into the church, bleeding into the, 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 the realm of possibility that, that, that good people of God would be deceived, we have to remember that there are scriptures in the Bible that tell us that in the end time that there will be a great falling away and even the very elect would be deceived. We have to remember that those verses are in there. We have to remember that, that God warned us that at, that, that at some point in time that, that even the people who had it all together would be shaken. We have to remember that the, the, the scriptures that says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But in all of that, he says this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one spot, not one drop of my word will pass away. My word is forever settled in heaven settled it's done it's over you can't change it you can't flip it around you can't make it better you can't make it fit your friend down the street 
You can't make it fit your grandma. You can't make it fit your grandpa. You can't make it fit your loved one. You can't take that word and, and, and make somebody fit in it or make it fit in somebody. It is what it is. You know, people, you know when you become a pastor and, and, and people see you as a man of God, they start asking you a bunch of questions. Like, what do you think about this? And, and, you, and you start wondering, like, why are you asking me this question? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the question? Because if the purpose for the question is that you want knowledge, that's one thing. But if, you, but if you're wanting me to draw a line as a pastor, then I know what you're going to do with that line I'm about to draw. You're going to see exactly how close you can get to it, and you're going to set up shop on that line. But I don't, I've been to the countries that, 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 that Jesus was in and preached and taught about, and uh, there are no fences in those countries. No shepherd in those countries have fences. Because if you have a fence, you don't need a shepherd. You just need a, you need a good sheepdog. And there's a lot of good men of God, they put up a bunch of fences and they're sheepdogs now. That's all they do is bark, yell at people, scream at people. You get preached to every Sunday. You leave thinking, man, can anybody go to heaven? I know we're not going. <laughs> but can anybody else go? Can that man himself go? But a real shepherd says this, the sheep know my voice. And so if you got the word in your heart, you don't need a fence. Because the word will keep you. The word will say, you know what, that ain't right. There's people in this room right now that have come to me before and said, Pastor, the Lord told me to stop doing this this week. And I went and I got rid of everything. And I, and I put it away. And I quit doing this and I quit doing that. And I never taught them a lesson on it. Because the Spirit will lead you into all truths if you want to be led. It's going to pull on you, and you're going to say, well, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to stop doing that. That's, 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 my, that's, my, that's, my, that's my jam. I don't want to give that up. But the closer you get to God, the more things start falling away. Everything can't go to the mountaintop. The young men and the donkey got to stay down the hill at some point, and me and the young lad are going up. There's only a few things can go. And the closer you get to God, the more you see things start falling away. But if you have an abstract mindset, where you say, well, you know what? I'm going to make up my own. I'm going to determine myself what this means. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to research. I'm not going to look into it. I just feel like, I don't feel like God would want me to do that. I don't feel like God would ask me to do that. Well, you're, you, you've lost your mind. Because in, in the Bible I got, God asked us to do a bunch of stuff. He asked those apostles to preach his name until they killed him. Here's what, here's what Jesus said to us. Here's what he said. To the apostles and as he was speaking to the apostles he was speaking to us too he said I send you as sheep among wolves <laughs> that's what Jesus said think about that for just a moment think about that we keep seeing our, we, the church keeps seeing ourselves as wolves like we're gonna go fight we keep wanting to fight the Christian church right now is at arms against this country, against this COVID and vaccine, everything else. The Christian world has taken up spiritual arms and they're fighting. But I got no Bible for that. I got no Bible for that. Not one verse. 
I saw a whole bunch of preachers this week damning the American church because we're not doing nothing to help the Afghanistan church. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? God didn't call us to be wolves. He called us to be sheep among wolves. My, my job, what did, the, what did the church do in the, new, in, the, in the New Testament? Somebody tell me what they did in the book of Acts. Did they take up arms? Did they protest in the streets? Negatory. Did they, did they draw up signs and go march on the White House? No. The church prayed. Nobody loaded a gun. Nobody sharpened a sword. The church got together and they said, look, this is crazy. We'll know what to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And when the church prayed, prison doors opened up. When the church prayed, chains fell off. When the church prayed, leadership in high places said, hey, look, I don't know why we're doing this, but we're going to change the policy. The church wants to fight, but he didn't send us out as wolves. He sent us out as sheep into the wolf den. God did not give Daniel teeth. God did not come down to the lion's den and give Daniel an Uzi. He didn't come down to the lion's den and give Daniel a sword or a spear. He came in the lion's den and he shut the lion's mouth and, 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 and Daniel laid down with him. Daniel used the lion's as pillows, snuggled up with him, purring like a little kitty cat. We want God to give us swords and shields. We want God to somehow make the church exact vengeance. We got to be careful that the church don't turn the truth of God into a lie. And we get caught up in some mess. I want to pray for this. I want to I say, Lord, what would you have us do? Let's pray about it. Let's do what the old church did. Let's pray about it. I don't know what these folks doing in the White House. I don't know what these folks doing in the car. I don't know. On both sides of the aisle. It's craziness. It's ridiculousness. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray until there's no more room to pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to bind together. I'm going to say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but protect my children, protect my home, protect my church, protect my church family. I'm going to pray. And the world wants to look at it and make up their own mind. And in the church, we want to look at it and start making up our own mind. Well, we ought to do this. We ought to do that. That's not what the Bible said, dude. We can't get caught up in the abstract either. Here's what he said in the book of Psalms. I want to read this for you. In Psalms 91. Psalms 91, he said this, because I'm talking about being, you know, the church being offensive and the church being defensive. We, the, the, the God has sent us out as, as, as sheep among wolves. He said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, somebody say in him, will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snail of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. Watch this. His truth, somebody say his truth. Not my truth. Not my church's truth. Not my political party's truth. Not my doctor's truth, 
Not my mama's truth, not my daddy's truth, not my school's truth, not my professor's truth, not my grandpa's truth, not my grandma's. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. I looked this up. I said, Lord, I don't see what you're talking about. Shield and buckler. I ain't never heard of no buckler before. I heard of a butler. That's what I thought it was. When I first, a long time ago, I, I thought they said shield and butler. I was like, he going to be my shield. ain't going to be making me bread. He said, I'll make, prepare a table, right? Not what it says. Buckler. So I looked up shield and buckler. When you put shield and buckler together, it's a compound word that makes one word. It means a spiked shield. It's a shield that has spikes on it, meaning that I can use it for defense and I can use it for offense. It's a shield that protects me, but also keeps the enemy off of me. It's like, it's like a porcupine. Beneath all them quills, I am soft and delicious. But if you, if you want to get to it, you got to come through all this. That's what truth is. See, this is why the Bible told us to buy the truth and sell it not. Because you can have all the anger and all, the, all that you want to have. But the truth of God's word is what's going to keep you safe. You say, well, Pastor James, I don't understand how the truth keeps me safe. Like, shouldn't I keep myself safe? Shouldn't I have a sword? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I do something? Yeah, the, the sword is the word of God. Absolutely. God gave us an offensive weapon. Guess what it is? It's his word. So the truth of the word is my sword and my shield, which is a spiky shield. It gives me two weapons. of all. Most people, when they preach about the, the armor of God we find in Romans, when they preach about the armor of God, they say the only offensive weapon is, is the sword. But if you look at this scripture, it's telling us that there's two offensive weapons, the sword and the shield. That I can attack with the sword, I can defend and attack with the shield because he's my shield and buckler. He's my covering, and my covering will wound the enemy. So I have the word in one hand, and the truth in the other. How can the word and the truth be separated? The word is the word, and the truth is, do you believe the word? Let me say it again. How, how can we separate the word of God, which is the sword, from the truth, which is the shield? Because the word of God stands alone, whether you believe it or not. And it's sharp, like a two-edged sword, cutting asunder, cuts both ways. Coming and going. But when you believe the word, now you have a shield that has spikes on it, according to the word of God. I'm in the Bible. This is not a medieval, it's not a fantasy video game I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about when you have the word of God, you have a sword. But when you believe that word, you have a shield. Because I know a lot of people that can quote the scripture, but the scripture ain't in them. There's a difference between having the scripture in your mouth and the scripture in your heart. I know a lot of folks that can quote, but they have no revelation 
of what that word is doing on the inside of them. They can quote it from day one to day two. They got all kinds of scriptures for everything, but I don't see them living it out. I don't see them walking it out. They can quote better than anybody on the corner, but they don't live it out. They don't walk it out because it's in their mouth, but it's not in their heart. They have a sword, but they have no shield. That's why the enemy keeps attacking them, and he keeps winning because they have no shield to block the fiery darts of the enemy. My sword is the word, but my shield is when I take that word and I believe in it and I trust in it, it becomes my defense. It becomes my defense. And when you are able to bounce things off the word of God in your life and say, you know what? I don't really know about this. Let me go check the word. The word always has an answer. That's why, that's why he said in the book of John when he sat by the woman at the well and he said to her, he said, the hour's coming. And, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He's not looking for a church that has good music and that can shout. He's looking for a church that believes what he said. <laughs> I, I, I can worship him in spirit. I, we, we look good. We sound good. We can dance good. But when we believe it, he said, that's what I'm looking for. When we believe the song that we're actually singing, he said, I'm looking for the spirit and I'm looking for the truth. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. It'll make you free. When you grab the truth and you lean not to your own understanding. Huh. He said in Psalms 25 and 5, he said, lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. When's the last time you opened your Bible and said, Lord, lead me in truth and teach me. Teach me, Lord. You see, we teach twice and preach once at Truth Chapel. Throughout a week, we teach twice, preach once. Because I believe that teaching keeps you in the boat. Preaching gets you in the boat. He said, I have, the Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so preaching saves us. But I believe teaching keeps us. And when you sit down with your word and you say, Lord, teach me the truth. Show me the truth. If you open your heart to it, God will show you. God will reveal to you. I know because when I got my life right with God and I started asking God, I said, God, I want to know that what I believe is true. And I, got, I opened my word. I said, Lord, show me. I know what my daddy said. I know what my grandpa said. I know what my mama said, my grandma. But, Lord, I want to know it for myself. Will you show me the word of God? Will you reveal it to me? The Lord did. I read scriptures in that Bible I'd never seen before. The Lord showed me something here showed me something there and I preach messages all over this world today different churches different facilities different places different people I preach messages today and people say my goodness I've never seen that where did you see that and I'll say the Lord showed me I asked him to show me because I wanted to believe it for myself and he showed me and that's how I know I preached a message last week or uh, yeah um, the week before I preached a message in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And, I, and, 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 and many of you heard me connect these thoughts where Jesus said, 
uh, I was saying to them, I never knew you. And how does God know you? And if you go to Galatians chapter 4, beginning in, in, in verse 4, and when the fullness of time God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And if you are a son, then you're an heir. And you're no longer a servant, but an heir of God through Christ. He sends forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out a father. He said, how be it then when you did not know God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. And in verse 9 he says, but now that you know God, or rather are known of God. So when you receive the spirit, not only do you know God, but he said now he knows you. And in Galatians, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says, on the last day, it won't be, did you know me? They say, he said, they will say to me, Lord, Lord. They will say to me, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We did many, we know you. He said, I'll say to them, I don't know you. You knew me, but I didn't know you. And so my revelation of the Holy Ghost is from Matthew 7 all the way to Galatians chapter 4. When Paul said, when you receive the spirit of the son into your hearts, crying out a father, now you know him and now he knows you. And so what will happen on that day, the people who knew God but never received his spirit, they did all kinds of things. They had suits, ties, went to church, did it all. But, but they never received his spirit. And he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's, and, and the pastor of the church, the pastor of the church who pastors a great church said, I'm, I'm blown away. I've never, I've never seen this before. It's unbelievable. I, 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 he said, I, he said, I got to go back. He said, I got to go back and, and preach this to people. He said, this, this is, oh, he said, I, I've never seen it. He said, unbelievable. He said, how did you see this? I said, I asked God to show me. I prayed and fasted to the Lord, show me. I said, Lord, I want to know, is what I believe true? Because if it's not, I'll go do something else. Show me that you need the Holy Ghost. Because that's what I was raised to believe. That man right there taught me. But I reached a point in my life where his teaching couldn't take me no further. I said, God, I got to see it for myself. And when the Lord showed me, I said, there it is. I got it. And so now I preach that message and people say, well, I've never seen it. How did you see that? The Lord showed Because I said, Lord, lead me into your truth. Show me. Teach me. I want to know. And you can never be taught anything. If you're not willing to lay down everything you think you know. That's why some folks will come to God and never receive him because they're not willing to lay down everything they think they know. But in order to receive the truth of God's word, you have to take away your abstract thinking and say, Lord, I know what I see. I, I've looked and I know what my spirit says. Now I throw that out. Would you show me what it means? Because if you was to go to Pollock, who was a famous abstract artist, and you were to say, Pollock, what does this mean? He'll tell you. Oh, when I, when I did this, I know you can't see it. I know it's, I know it's a little bit everywhere. But when I, when I painted this, I was in a deep, depressed time in my life. And I had found joy somehow. So when I painted this, it's what this means. And when the artist tells you what it means, you can never see it any other way. Let me say it again. When the artist tells you what it means, that's how you're going to always see it. 
You can see it your way, so I see a meadow and a stream. This is what it speaks to me. It speaks to me this. But when the man who painted it says, wait a minute, I know it's kind of everywhere, but this is what I meant when I said it. This is what I meant when I painted it. Then you say, oh, I see it now. It's like some of those artists you see that are just drawing all kind of crazy, just drawing, just going crazy, and then they take that thing and flip it. And you're like, that's Michael Jordan. You couldn't see it until the artist got it just right. Why do we keep going to God's word without asking him? Show me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a firm believer that this Bible will confuse you. You, you read it from beginning to end. There's, there's some points I'm like, I, 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 uh, okay, hold up. It's not, it's not connecting for me. But when you go to the artist and you say, flip it for me. <laughs> and he gives you revelation. We call it the holy place, the candlestick, and the showbread. <laughs> where the bread is illuminated. Where the word has illumination. We get that holy place with God. You can't do it in the outer court. Too many people hanging out in the outer court. Not really giving their lives to the Lord. Not really dedicating themselves. Hanging out in the outer court. And they want revelation. You can't get revelation in the outer court. The only way you can get revelation is come through with praise and thanksgiving. Come through that altar of incense. Burn some stuff. Let some stuff die. Kill some things. Got to spill a little blood. Then we got to go down to the laver. Wash in the laver. Got to be washed. Got to be made whole. Then we come into the... As long as you're hanging out out there, you ain't never going to see. You ain't never going to see what the candlesticks illuminate in the holy place. That's why I know some good preachers that ain't ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost that still believe some lies. I say, man, you, you got everything, but you can't see this one thing right here. And, and I'm trying to figure out why this guy that's got more degrees than a thermometer that's been to all kinds of seminaries can't see what I see. And I realize because I've been into the holy place where the candlestick illuminates the bread. And if they would ever... Come through and come into the holy place where the candlestick illuminates the bread. They would see. I see it now. I see it now. He flipped it. My God. He flipped, when he flipped it, I saw it. I could never see it like that before. I read that scripture a thousand times, but he flipped it for me. That's why I'm not obsessed with the abstract. I say, Lord, give me line upon line. Give me precept upon precept. I want to go to the artist and say, what was you thinking when you wrote this? Who was you thinking about me when you wrote this? Was you thinking about 2021? when you wrote this yeah say what well, Pastor Chavis I'm almost finished say Pastor Chavis there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that ain't in that Bible there's things that I'm dealing with that ain't in that Bible there's things I'm going through there's no scripture for it I'm, I'm going through stuff that I cannot find a scripture for good the Bible covered that too he covered it in Romans chapter 8 when he said, you know, ye know not what to pray. <laughs> he covered it. He said, I, he said, hey, I'm going to put something in here for the stuff that you don't know about. He said, ye know not what to pray, but the spirit knoweth. The spirit knoweth. The spirit knoweth. The, you, you don't even know. There ain't no scripture for it. There's no protocol. There's no blueprint. But the Lord said, don't worry about it. I got something for that. I'm going to give you the spirit. And my spirit will lead you. And my spirit. And so when ye pray, pray in the spirit. And the spirit will make intercession for the saints. 
Because the spirit knoweth what is the heart of God. He knows. We have an advocate with the Father. Oh, hallelujah. We, we, we that have the spirit, we that have the spirit don't live in abstract anymore. We can say, Lord, show me thy word. And the spirit will take you by the hand and lead you into all truths. Oh, I see that. Oh, I, I get that now. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Lord. I should have laid that down a long time ago. My, my bad. I, I, I'm going to lay it down now. I see that. Oh, I need to pick that up. I need to, that's something I need. Oh, I need to have, oh, I need to have that. Because in the holy place, there is illumination of bread. It shows us the truth of his word. It is the spirit that leads us. In John 16, 13, he said it, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. The spirit doesn't speak to me about himself. He speaks about what he heard. He speaks about the word. The word speaks. It's always the word. That's why if you ever have someone speak to you in your head or, or you feel like something spoke to you and it's contrary to God's word, it ain't the spirit. Because the spirit don't speak for himself. The spirit doesn't make up his own mind. The spirit doesn't change with the culture. The spirit speaks what he will not speak of himself, but he's whatsoever he shall hear. He will never go against God's word. He said, I have no greater joy. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. No greater joy than my children walk in the truth. Stand with me, I'm coming to a close. He shall deliver thee, verse 3 of Psalms 91. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Verse 4, shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He's going to be your spiked shield. Watch what he says next. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Let me tell you, in this day and time when fear, when fear is like air, just, just, just look around, it's, it's, it's fearful. When fear is so prominent and imminent, we, we live in a constant flux of fear in this country, in this world, in this season of time. The people who will be able to stand against fear in this evil day will be the people who want and know the truth. Because he said, if, you, if my truth is your shield and buckler, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Why? Because the truth, the truth is my shield. How you staying sane through all of this? 
because I know the truth. I know the truth. The truth is this. The truth is either the Lord's going to heal me here or the Lord's going to heal me there. But the Lord's going to heal me. That's the truth. Either, either this is working, this is working. No matter how this is working out, I know it's working out for my good because that's the truth. Here's the truth. If he be for me, can't none of y'all be against me. You know, who can stand before us when we call on that great name? That, that's the truth. You know, the, I, I got a lot of stuff to be fearful for, but the truth is he'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's the truth. That's the truth. You say, well, man, I know, I know good saints of God that was praying, Pastor Chavis. I know good saints of God that was praying and they died in their way. Good for them. Because here's the truth. <laughs> there was joy waiting on the other side. That's the truth. That's the truth. If I know the truth, you know, if, because the truth, shall, the truth makes me free. The truth makes me free. I'm, I'm free from it. I'm free from doubt and I'm free from fear and I'm free because all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord. That's the truth. And the truth is God is not going to allow it to happen unless he allows it to happen. And the truth is, the devil is not omnipresent. The devil cannot be fighting you and fighting me at the same time. He don't have that kind of power. He is not omnipresent. He has no omni to him. That's the truth. The truth is, the truth is, is my God has already fought my battles. Here's the truth. On the cross, my sins were taken away. Here's the truth. Before the cross, my pain was taken away. Before the cross, every disease was taken away. Here's the truth. The truth is that he was wounded for all of my transgressions. He was bruised for every one of my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him. That's the truth. The truth is he already took my shame and my guilt. And so the devil can come and try to throw that mess back at me every day if he wants to. But the truth is, you're the accuser of the brethren, but God is fighting my battle. That's the truth. You see how the truth can make you free? You see how the truth can make you free? Some of y'all worried about stuff that you know only God can fix. And so why be worried about it anymore? The truth will make you free because the truth is God is on my side. That's the truth. Hallelujah. That feels good, don't it? It's the truth, and I'm not living in abstract. I'm not obsessed with it. I'm not obsessed with making up my own mind. I'm not obsessed with trying to figure it all out by myself. I'm not obsessed with trying to read between the lines and try to figure it out. Why? Why live that kind of life? Anything shakes you when that happens. Yeah. A devil-minded man is unstable in what? All of his ways. <laughs> So well, I, Pastor, I know a lot of devil-minded men. They got a lot of money. So they're unstable. They don't even know it. You don't even know it. It doesn't say a devil-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. All of his ways. All of them. And it may look like he's stable to you. But that's just the gram. That's just the gram. That's just a posed picture. The truth of it is he don't even know it. But beneath it all, he's built his house on sand. And you may have a shack, but baby, it's on a rock. Come on, somebody. Let the wind blow. Let the storm come. 
but it's, I, 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 I built my house on a rock and it's here to stay. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house on a rock and that, that's the truth. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.